and we're going to look at verses 1 through 10. You'll probably like the title of the message. Sounds encouraging, and it is, The Better Things in Life. We were just sharing Philippians about on Wednesday night about what things we should have on our mind, what things we should be thinking about, whatsoever is true, whatsoever is just. And, you know, that, that's a very important where our focus and what our heart is on, you know, and, and concerning the better things in life. Depending on how we think on these things, we might not realize what the better things in life are. So we're going to do a comparison on several things that Solomon shared with us in these ten verses. Now in the first six chapters of this book, uh, it is filled with a lot of disappointment a lot of letdowns. Solomon, in his wisdom, he took the wisdom God gave him and, he, and he, he went into the world and tried to find fulfillment and satisfaction out of things in the world. And he called all of these things vanity, cotton candy, if you will, a vapor in the wind. They didn't satisfy, they didn't last. So you find a lot of that in the first six chapters, but as we begin the seventh chapter, he compares the better things in life. And it is a surprise to our normal way of thinking what we will find to be the better things in life. Now, when we look into verse one, the first thing we're going to see is a good name and it's going to be compared to riches. And he says that a good name is better than precious ointment. You may recall in your Bible reading a woman that poured the ointment out upon Jesus and the disciples were were criticizing her for this, saying it could have been sold and, and, and you know, the money given to the poor. And, and they, she was criticized for what she had done because of the value that was looked at in the ointment. And whether it be perfume or whether it be gold, have you noticed... Have you noticed how expensive gold is lately? It's unbelievable. But you have silver or you have jewels and all of these things, you can place a value on it concerning whatever amount it is. It has a value. But when it comes to a good name, you can't place a certain level of value on it. You cannot, you cannot hinder Reputation is much more valuable than cash and riches. A good name is something that is more important than all things. You know, many people don't seem to be concerned with what others think. I mean, if somebody has given you an honest opinion or or an honest viewpoint of something, or if someone comes to you to uh, try to help you, you know, people just don't care what others think about them sometimes. And it's a tragic thing, you know, um, or what people do to their family name. People do not seem to be concerned about that anymore where they used to hold it highly. I knew a man for a short period of time and he had a mechanic shop in the neighborhood and it was just the size 
of a, of a regular lot that a house might be on. It was very small. It was hard to get the cars in and out of that little place. But this man ran a mechanic shop for decades. And he had a good name in the neighborhood. He retired from his little mechanic shop and had about a million dollars in the bank. The second generation came in and wasn't so sensitive to customer service, didn't really like doing the work, shut it down, and wanted to turn it into an ice house of some sort. That never, that wasn't allowed by the first generation. So then the third generation comes in, picks it up, does good for a little while, but more concerned and the greater focus was on collecting the money versus good quality work so that the name would hold well among the people in the area. If the focus would have been to do right by the good name, then there would have probably been a lot more success than the direction they went in. You know, families used to be closer and gathered together more, which seemed to bring about a sensitivity to the family and how they would act concerning the family. Um, you know, I've heard of family gatherings that have been compared to a revival service. Unfortunately, I can't say that about my family, but I just love hearing that. I love the thought of that. I've never had a family reunion in my life, actually, and I've always longed for that. But even more so, the idea of a family reunion turning into a revival service. Praise God for that. But, you know, I guess the ultimate... The ultimate reproach upon a family name, the ultimate disgrace would be to not stay in the spiritual roots that one had grounded that was given by God for a family. A family name is better than riches. A good name is better than riches. But let's look in the end of verse 1 and compare death and life. The day of death, then the day of one's birth. Solomon in his wisdom says that death is better than life. Now a lot of you, most of you know that uh, Tony Manon and, and Amy, they just had a grandchild born into the family and everyone is full of joy. There are smiles, there are happy faces all over the place. And for a lot of funerals, it's not that way. It's not that there's a lot of sorrow as, as one might die. So life would seem to be better concerning the two. And by the way, life actually is better for the unsaved because of the darkness that they are facing after death. Life is better for them because while there is life, there is hope that one might come to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I'm amazed at the religions that think that there is some kind of hope after this life for souls. And it just, it just amazes me. Jesus has power on earth to forgive sins, the Bible says. And you can take that literally because that is where one is forgiven for all their sins. And that's all one has is this life 
as the better thing if darkness is in their eternity and they have not trusted in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. No amount of church attendance can bring about salvation. It's a personal relationship with one and their Lord and Savior. But for the blood-washed, born-again believer, with heaven being their home, look, death is better than life. Troubles, trials, and temptations are all over after this life, and it's perfect rest and peace in eternal life with Jesus for eternity. You know, we sorrow over death, but we do not sorrow as the unsaved do. The unsaved sorrow and they have no hope. We have a sorrow in it, but we have hope in Jesus Christ. The confident expectation that we know we, were, we are going to be with the Lord Jesus Christ for eternity. Paul, who saw heaven, who is, whose testimony I believe that he did see heaven... I don't believe the other testimonies that I hear of this day and time, but I believe Paul's who said it was unlawful to talk about those things. But Paul saw heaven while he was living here and he said, I'm in a straight betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. I'm telling you that that we can understand here what Solomon is saying when he says death is better than life. The psalm says precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints because they are with him and they have lost their sinful nature and they're no longer in the presence of sin and they're in the place that God has prepared for them. You ask somebody how they're doing and they say, well, I'm still above ground. And, and uh, immediately comes the preacher's mind. Well, that's not too good. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I know we want to live here by faith. I, I know we want to serve the Lord here and, and have our time here. But, but heaven's better. Heaven's much better. So death is better than life. But as we look in verse 2, we look at a comparison of mourning and I'm not talking about morning and evening. I'm talking about morning as in sorrowing and feasting. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. For that is the end of all men and the living will lay it to his heart. So we have the gathering occasion of mourning and the gathering occasion of feasting. Shelley and I took the teenagers over to Arise Baptist Church uh, sometime within the last six months for a youth conference. And man, they had so many fun drama skits. I was laughing. I, I wish I was good at that. I I I'm not good at that for your teenagers. I try to be and and we have some fun here and there. But but man, I started hearing things about a duck walking up to a lemonade stand and asking for a grape. And I'm, yo, you kids know what that's about. That's a, some YouTube thing. But it was such a fun time that we were having. And then we got to the Word of God. And an evangelist came in and preached the Word of God. And he preached on sin. And there was a time of conviction of sin you know, as we heard the word of God and as God dealt with our hearts and we took the word of God seriously, I'm telling you that was that was a better time right there. 
that was a better time to be sincerely under the power of the word of God being preached to us so they can it can help our lives so that we do not become desensitized to sin in this world so that we can see what God expects of us that what God enables us to do what our purpose is here on this earth before we go to heaven that was a more sincere time and it was the better time it was the better time when we weigh the two out you know people are drawn to the lord and drawn to salvation more so as a result of some pain or some problem in their life i won't go into detail but but i had a i had a a struggle going on in my life and I kind of wanted to get up and go to church a little more on Sunday morning. And the more I tried to fix a struggle on my own, the worse it got. I just felt like I was decaying inside. I didn't mind going to church when I went to church before. But I wanted to go to church so much more when I went through something that was causing a mourning in my life. And, and you know what happened? I met Jesus Christ in my heart and He saved me from my sin. And, and, I, and, I, and I realized I couldn't go to Him just to fix my problem. That, that was my first time of praying. I asked God to try to fix my problem. And, and it didn't happen because I had a much bigger problem. I wasn't saved. I didn't know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And it was a result of pain. It was a result of a struggle that was going on. So I, I agree with Solomon here that mourning is, is better than feasting. How about sorrow and laughter? Let's look at verse 3. Sorrow is better than laughter. For by the sadness of the countenance, the heart is made better. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. Sorrow and laughter. Sorrow seems to be healthier to me, you know, at first thought. I mean, laughter. Laughter seems to be healthier to me at first thought. I love to laugh. You know, the Proverbs seventeen twenty two says, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. And I love to laugh. One, one blessing I've had in my life working with youth over the years is, is the way that they make me laugh. I guess sometimes you might want to wring their neck, but other times, man, they're just so funny and they brighten your day and they make you laugh. It just seems to make you feel good all around when you laugh. You know, there was a question asked this morning, though, and I don't remember exactly how the question went, but it, it was along the lines of what if we had no troubles and what do you think, how would it be if we had no troubles in our life and everything went smooth? I, my little thought in my head down there was we wouldn't be able to stand each other. We'd be just a bunch of spoiled, rotten brats and, and it would change everything about our, our demeanor and, and who we are. You know, what's best for us isn't always pleasant to us. God's word says, by sadness, the heart is made better. We'd say we would rather laugh than cry, but it's sorrow that molds our life and conforms our life to be more like our Lord's. You know, one of the names for our Lord Jesus Christ in the Bible is a man of sorrows. 
when, when Jesus was at the grave of Lazarus, he wept. And that didn't mean he just had a little tear to dry on the eye. It means he was bawling. He was wailing. We're more like him in a time of sorrow. Sorrow is a spiritual tool. The poem says it this way. I walked a mile with pleasure. She chattered all the way. But left me none the wiser for all she had to say. I walked a mile with sorrow. And never a word said she, but oh, the things I learned from her when sorrow walked with me. We're not going to ever wish for sorrow, but when that comes around, let us not lose sight of the value that comes from a sincerity from that and what is accomplished in our lives as a result. In verses 5 and 6, we see words of rebuke versus words that are meaningless. It says it is better to hear the rebuke of the wise than for a man to hear the song of fools. For as the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of the fool. This also is vanity. You know, many people seem to be fine with talking about nothingness. People can sit and talk about nothingness ongoing, constantly, things that are frivolous, things that are of no value. As long as you don't offend someone, that conversation can seem to go on and on and on. It seems like we're in a day where people are more offensive at something said than ever before. I may be wrong, but I know that the, the sensitivity level is very high on that. You know, just as long as there's no rebuke. But my Bible tells me in 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17 that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for four things, and one of them is reproof, which is the same thing. We all need reproof. Reproof is good. We are wise if we will submit to the reproof that comes our way. And we all should get it and hopefully get it, and we all need it. I say that including myself and the experience I can think of in my own life. We may not want it, but we need it. We need rebuke in our lives. You know, preachers are to encourage, preachers are to challenge, and the preacher is called to rebuke. Pray for the preacher in this day and time that he will be faithful to what God has called him to do with his word. I I don't see how anyone can preach the Word of God without rebuking sin. It's all through the Bible. It's all over the place. And if, and if someone is not preaching any rebuke ever, they, they have to be dancing around the Scriptures in some way and not preaching the Word of God. Rebuke taken in improves our lives. It is good for you and I to accept rebuke as wise and to avoid it is vain. And you just, it's like you can see the steps ahead of someone's life when they do not reverence and submit to rebuke. How about the end compared to the beginning? Verse 7. 
Surely oppression maketh the wise man mad, and a gift destroyeth the heart. Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. It's always better to consider the end of injustices versus what you would like to say or what you would like to do in the heat of a moment. It will always almost always cause one to act out of character when we do not consider the end, when we do not consider what's coming in the long run, when Jesus rules and reigns. He's going to make all wrongs right. And there's not going to be a wrong that is going to happen and go on. There's going to be no bribery for it. It's going to go on, but it is going to be cut off the moment that it happens. And whatever has happened in this life, Jesus is going to make all wrongs right. It's better if we consider the end rather than the beginning. Someone made up a beatitude and it goes like this. Blessed is the man who doesn't allow a fool to cause him to act like a fool. And it's so easy for that to happen. We must consider the end. It's better to consider the end. But let's also look at the patient and the proud in verse 8. The patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. The proud seek revenge. The patient wait on the Lord. You know, I have found... That keeping my mouth shut about things helps me to stay out of the Lord's way. Now, I know there's a time that we need to say something uh, about something. Uh, I know there's a time for that, but it's not always the time for that. And we need to stop and we need to try God out every now and then. Because I have found it's so much better when we can get out of the Lord's way and let Him do what He will do. It's better to be patient. I have a friend that, well, he was backslidden out of the Lord for about 20 years. He was, by the way, he was, he was a Christian. He was saved. He didn't make another profession of faith. He knew he had trusted Christ as his Lord and Savior. And for 20 years, he was out of the will of God. And something just really made him want to snap. He was going to do something huge, and it wasn't good. So he pulled off in the church house on a Wednesday night on his way home. And ten years later, he's still in God's house. And the very beginning, he was pretty much begging the counsel of the saints of God to let him get revenge on someone that wanted to destroy his career. And he was advised... To talk to the Lord about it. To wait on the Lord and, and see what happens. Nothing happened to this man's career. And the other man lost his career. And it wasn't by the doings of my friend. And my friend that waited on the Lord, he ended up having an opportunity to tell that man about Jesus Christ. And he told him about Jesus with love in his heart, desiring that he would be saved. Oh, it's so much better to be patient. Oh, God does beautiful things when we are patient instead of proud or patient instead of angry. Look at verse 9 with me. Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry, 
For anger resteth in the bosom of fools. Anger does not want to let you try it out. Anger's looking for a place to live. Anger wants to hunker down and dwell if we'll let it in. Some of the greatest Christians I've known have really tackled and had a problem with anger throughout their lives. And it's nothing to toy with. It's nothing to play with. It's something that we need to desperately seek the Lord about. And He can take care of it. And, and, and only He can. Anger can cause a mess. Anger can destroy a life. And God can take care of it. We can learn to wait upon the Lord. The Old Testament all through it tells us to wait upon the Lord. And most of the time that word wait, it means trust. Trust Him to put the fire out of our anger. Let living water quench that fire of anger in our lives. It's much better to be patient. Let's look at the present and the past as we close in verse 10. Say not thou, what is the, what is the cause of the former days were better than these? For thou dost not inquire wisely concerning this. Man, I tell you what, this verse got me. I mean, I was just blindly, even as a Christian, thinking it was holy and wholesome to dwell on the good old days. I like everything about the old days. I like the way vehicles were made in the old days. You couldn't tear them up. My mama had a 1960 or 70-something model Cadillac parked on the street, and this car came up and hit it, and it looked like an aluminum can that someone had crunched. My mom had a little bit dent in her car. I'm telling you, the old days, so many things were made so much better. It, it just, I think back on, on what would be a more wholesome time probably. I have said so many times that I wish I would have lived in the last generation, and guess how much good that does me? That does me absolutely no good at all because you know, and it wouldn't do any of us any good because here we are right here, right now today in a day where so many things in the world are changing so many people and we don't understand kids in a lot of ways more than ever before. However, God has you and I here in this day that we might be used by Him that others might come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior. We are in the day we're in, given by God, because I couldn't imagine it being harmful to me to dwell on a better time. But it is, because God has perfect timing in all He does, and He has brought you and I together in this day and time. We better be careful about complaining about things, because I used to complain about kids over eight years ago. And guess what? I've been with kids for eight years in ministry. To try to help what I was complaining about. The present is better than the past. And you know, it's better to be saved than to be lost. It's better to have your sins forgiven and to have peace with God. Through Jesus Christ. It's better than trying in religion. It's better than us trying to be good. And to do good. And to try to obtain God. It's better because it won't happen. It's better to not try to achieve. But to believe. 
And maybe there's someone here tonight and you need rest from, from your sins. You're, you're trying to overcome them with good. And that's, that's a lie that the, I would say it's a secret, but I mean, it, everybody's doing it. Everybody's trying to overcome their bad with good. But if we could do that, Jesus didn't need to go to the cross. He said it's finished on the cross. And He's done everything we need. And it's better to be saved than to be unsaved. It's better than to try to have positive thinking about, okay, I know I'm right with God. That is going to drain a person throughout their lives. I'm, I am no better than you. And when I saw 1 John 5, 13... I already believe that verse. These things have I written unto you that you may know that you have eternal life. I knew I was saved when I was saved. And there's no, there's, there's no trouble with it. Don't be carried away from the simplicity that we find in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's better to be saved than to be unsaved. And if you're unsaved, all it takes is faith tonight. Faith that God gives you from His Word that you might trust and, and place faith in the Lord Jesus Christ to save you from your sins. You don't have to walk the aisle to do that. Uh, that's not going to happen when you get baptized. You'll be baptized after you place faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And all you have to do is trust Jesus to save you from your sins, to rest from any religious work or any other thought that you have in this world. It's better to be saved than to be unsaved. And I hope everyone here tonight is but if you're not, I hope you'll trust Jesus because you're already accepted if you'll accept Him. He has done everything you need. He is not willing that any would perish. And He loves you. He loves you and gave His Son on the cross to die for your sins. Would you clearly trust Him and know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Would you consider these things that we talked about tonight because I find us destroyed sometimes in our everyday life with a lack of peace and very distraught from a, from a wrong way of thinking. Let's look at these comparisons that we might agree with those things that are better for us in life. Let us think on these things. We need to in a time of trouble. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we come to you tonight. And I thank you for your word that we could break it open, Lord, and that we could share it together, Lord, that we would not be conformed to this world, but that we would be transformed by the renewing of our minds. I thank you, dear God, for the power of your word and how it leads and directs our lives, Lord. I pray that you would powerfully guide everyone that is here tonight, that you would guide them by your word, that we would all be looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, Lord. I pray that in a time such as we're in right now, Lord, that you would show yourself mightily through our lives, Lord, that you would use this church in a mighty way for your glory, Lord, that we would consider those things which are better from your point of view. May we always reverence your point of view and your truth, dear God, your absolute truth. And we love you tonight, Lord. And dear God, as you are as you are searching every heart tonight, Lord, I pray that you would give healing and that you would give help to those in need. I pray for those who are unsaved, Lord, that they might know you as Lord and Savior. Dear God, I pray that you would give peace to those who are 
who are not experiencing your peace right now, dear God, that they would turn to you. And we pray these things in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.